Uh, hey, Chuck, how you doing? Good, good. We're uh, um, a lot. A lot has changed since the last time we talked. One month ago, this situation looked grim for Harbor Health in Boston. There's not a light right now at the end of this tunnel that I can see. Like many federally qualified health centers, most of Harbor Health's patients had stopped coming in and their monthly revenue had fallen off a cliff. CEO Chuck Jones laid off about 200 employees and had to close one of their clinics. Over the last few weeks, though, it looks like Harbor Health has started to turn a corner. Today, from the Annenberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. If Harbor Health's situation has begun to stabilize, Chuck says there's one reason, telehealth. Yeah, so last time we talked, we were just at the start of this crisis, and we've been able to replace most of the visits that were happening face-to-face. The health center has leaned into telehealth so much, they've managed to convert almost all of their in-person visits to appointments over the phone. They've all but shut down their dental practice. Overall, Chuck estimates patient visit revenue is about two-thirds of what it had been. The net of all this is that we're still losing money, but it's not at nearly the rate that if you had drawn a line, a straight line from the week or two after this crisis really hit us, um, we were looking at a month or two. Now we're looking at four to six months of relative stability, give or take. Harbor Health is in better shape than many federally qualified health centers. According to federal data, about one in six sites around the country have closed their doors temporarily. One problem, some state Medicaid programs have decided to reimburse telehealth visits at much lower rates than in-person visits. Massachusetts program, which covers most of Harbor's patients, now reimburses telehealth at the same rate as an in-person visit. Chuck says patients, many of whom are medically fragile or poor, are really taking to these new appointments. They really appreciate the fact that they don't have to leave their homes, uh, which for many people is a very uh, anxiety-producing experience. But there's still some kinks to work out. Chuck says they're learning sometimes phone calls do not cut it, which is why they are ramping up video. Another physician I was just talking to was on the phone with a a mom who spoke Portuguese with a three-year-old boy who had an itchy eye. The mom was focused on the eye and the doc was concerned about asthma and allergies. It's challenging to fully rectify that over the phone. So that's a case where the video is really going to help. Even with all the advancements Harbor's undergone, for some, Chuck says there's no replacement for in-person visits. He estimates about 140 patients still need to come in each week for things like diabetes testing, blood pressure readings, or breast exams. Chuck, now that you're feeling more stable financially, what's the biggest challenge you're facing? It's funny that the agenda for our daily 4 p.m. COVID crisis meeting at Harbor really reflects the the sort of priority of what's going on. Three weeks ago, it was telehealth, telehealth. It was PPE. Uh, now it is testing and contact tracing. I just want to understand this testing plan. Who are you going to offer tests to and what's this setup going to look like? What are you guys imagining here? Each facility may be a little bit different, but the the common theme is um, for patients who are coming in who are likely COVID positive, 
to have a uh, the testing process. If we can do it without them getting out of their car, great. Otherwise, we'll have a tent outside each facility that they can walk into and get the test there without sort of entering the facility and then having us have to worry about decontamination and exposure to other patients and staff inside the facility. The process doesn't end there. At that point, we then need to track the follow-ups uh, and make sure that we're contacting that patient and then reaching out to anyone that that patient had contact with to make sure that they're getting the healthcare that they may need and the screening that they may need. So that sounds like a really nice game plan, Chuck. But what challenges, if any, are you guys facing in sort of making this vision a reality? Yeah. So, I mean, two weeks ago, the challenges to this plan were insurmountable. We can't get test supplies, so we don't have the swabs. We don't have sufficient PPE. And without those two things, we really can't start up a testing plan. We could run for one day before we ran out of supplies. But in just the past week, he's started to see supplies trickle in. We've gotten incredible support from all areas, even construction companies, Feeney Brothers here, they dropped off hundreds of N95 masks. The mayor of Boston has been very supportive in directing the Boston Resiliency Fund, um, the governor and support of health centers in general, and in making sure that Quest Diagnostics is connecting with community health centers and providing all the tests that we need in the state um, to move forward with, with a more robust testing program. Harbor Health still needs more PPE. One patient is so appreciative that the clinics have kept their doors open, he's doing everything he personally can to pitch in. We had one of our patients who um, was actually hospitalized earlier in the year and his house burned down um, while he was in a coma. He got out and is now committed to sewing masks for the Harbor staff and our patients. Are you kidding me? This guy who had his house burned down, this guy who's come out of the hospital, he is sewing you and your staff masks? Yeah, he found a sewing machine. I have a picture of him. He's literally sewing masks for Harbor and our patients. That's how much these services mean to people in our communities. Now, you've been through this first wave, Chuck. How are you thinking about being ready for a second wave that these experts are predicting? Well, it doesn't feel like we're necessarily coming off of the first wave just yet. It's not like we've seen a, a huge decrease. I think preventing that second wave is really what we're focused on right now in terms of testing and screening. I, I think we, we see that as the, the number one and two priority f for us to be able to prevent that second wave from coming in. Harbor Health is certainly better off than it was a month ago, thanks to the explosion in telehealth and additional support from Massachusetts and the federal government. Other health centers around the country are less fortunate and continue struggling to keep the lights on. But even for Harbor, the best thing Chuck can say about their financial situation right now is that they're temporarily stable. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. As the coronavirus pandemic continues to push millions out of work, there is a, a double whammy. Two things have become all but certain. The first thing being increased demand. More people find themselves unemployed and more people qualify for Medicaid. And then the second is at the same time, states are seeing huge holes in their budget. What can we learn from the last recession about what Medicaid needs to make it through this one? 
next time on Tradeoffs. You can listen to our earlier conversation with Chuck Jones in the feed. The episode was called Primary Care in Crisis. Or check out all our coronavirus coverage on the website, tradeoffs.org. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, researchers Emily Patterson and Jamie Song, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman. Additional thanks to Michaela Keller, Susan Sumrell, and the Tradeoffs Advisory Board. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by following us on Twitter at TradeoffsPod. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.